teaches us is that if the way of love is the way of vulnerability, if the way of love is the way of the cross, which always speaks of death, the reason Jesus invites us down that road is because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The life of Jesus is on the other side of our own individual crucifixions. Fallen humanity isn't built to trust others. We're built to want to have it our way, to do things our way, to live our lives as we see fit. And that's what's so radical about the life Jesus lived. He lived to obey his Father, even to the point of death. And Pastor Daniel will be challenging us just like Jesus did, to give up control of our lives to God the Father. You'll learn how risky trusting God can be but you'll also find out about the rewards that await you. Now here's Pastor Daniel in John chapter 11 as he continues his message, Jesus Wept. What I'm realizing is that Jesus actually is not asking you and I for balance as it relates to self-sacrificial love. What he's asking us is to love hard, a self-sacrificial love, but we don't do it so that we get the love in return. He is saying, let me love you, and my love for you will be sufficient, and then let me love through you, and when I love through you, you may or may not get back the love that you're hoping for, but my love will be the one constant. So what you realize is that God is inviting us into a journey that is very fraught with vulnerability. And I would love to be able to say, listen, it's all going to be easy, but it isn't. The way of love is the way of the cross because greater love has no other than this than a person to lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus did it for us and he says, and I want you to love others as I have loved you. And I can't really talk about this at Christmas time without just letting that land just the way it is. I realize in a million situations, there are certain qualifications that you may give in people's situations and their histories, and, and there's all that that's part of this. But the way of love is the way of vulnerability. The way of love is the way of the cross. And what I love so much about Jesus, he doesn't say, I want you to blaze the trail and experience it without my help. He says, I'm going to blaze the trail. I'm going to experience it for you, and then I want to lead you into it. Now, from there, look at what happens in the story. Because if I just left it there, we're like, it's horrifying, isn't it? It's like, okay, let's all go get hurt for the rest of our lives. It's going to love everybody. You know what I mean? It's going to be painful, you know. But Jesus doesn't stop this all there because look what happens. Verse 17, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he, speaking of Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. 
Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to him, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who has come into the world. Now, of course, what this teaches us is that if the way of love is the way of vulnerability, if the way of love is the way of the cross, which always speaks of death, the reason Jesus invites us down that road is because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. The life of Jesus is on the other side of our own individual crucifixions. And so... The way of love is the way of death because when we die to ourselves, then we get made alive to God's life after death reality. And so Jesus comes. Lazarus is dead. By the time they told Jesus that Lazarus was sick, Lazarus was actually already dead. He'd been in the tomb for four days. So he gets to Bethany, which is about two miles away from Jerusalem, And they were mourning, they call it sitting Shiva, where they were together as a community, mourning the death of Lazarus, and they were weeping, and Mary and Martha were there, and then they heard that Jesus was coming. Now, don't miss the personalities of Mary and Martha. Because remember, Martha was serving, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, then Jesus shows up, and Martha runs to Jesus, and Mary stays seated at the house. Not knocking Mary, man, she was a mellow chick, you know, she was just hanging in there. But she was grieving, you know, and Martha comes and she says, Lord, if you would have been here, Lazarus would never have died. But I know that God will give you anything you ask. I know who you are, Jesus. And Jesus is like, Lazarus is going to live again. He's going to rise again. You ever notice that when Jesus says something, you think you know what he means? Yeah. She's like, oh, Lord, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus is like, no, no. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Really what he's saying is that I can resurrect Lazarus right now. Not about just later. I can do this work right now. But this reality that really the life that God has for us is the life on the other side of the cross for us. That's real life. And in some ways, this is what I would call essential Christianity. Essential Christianity says that the life that we can live based on our own devices, the things that we want, what I often like to call a self-styled life, what the Bible calls more tersely life in the flesh, you living in rebellion, that is not real life. But the life that God has for us is on the other side of self-denial. Being his disciple, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. That's the real life. And really what we have to learn in this moment is that what God wants to do in each one of us is he wants to do a work of resurrection, not only in the hereafter, but right now. Our God is a God of resurrection. 
And when we come to terms with the fact that our God is a God of resurrection, then we start to look at the world through a different lens because we realize that when something goes wrong, we're like, man, that was lousy. That didn't go the way I wanted to. But that is never the end of the story. I guarantee that in a church the size of cross with people online, on TV, on the radio, people in the sanctuary, all the different vehicles we do this, there are also people right now, you're like, man, what I was hoping for, that's dead right now. And I would tell you, you should be waiting for the resurrection. Because God's story does not end right where we think these things end. There's more to all of this. And so it changes the way we look at the world. See, too much of the way our culture looks at the world is we look at it through fatalism. Well, that's over. It's bad now. And I'm here to tell you, there is not a less Christian sentiment than that. Because our God is the resurrection and the life. That's who he is. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Of course, whenever I hear about that, I always think of John 14, 6. John says a little bit later, Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, he doesn't point the way, he is the way. Jesus doesn't tell the truth, he is the truth. And Jesus doesn't say, I can show you life. He says, I am life. And there's no way to come to the Father God except through Christ. Now, that statement is really like crux of the Christian faith as a whole. Because our world offers, hey, there's a life you can live. And you can do it your way. You can do it how you want to. You want to drink all day? Great. You want to watch media all day? You want to scroll through Instagram all day? You want to be real? The kids know what I'm talking about. You want to be this, you want to be that. You can do anything you want to do. Just live how you want to. But the thing is, is what anybody who's put their faith and trust in Jesus knows is that we've done that and that ain't real life and it's never been. Because for some of us, it landed us in a pit. For some of us, it landed us in the clink, in the pokey on the inside, you know, Others of us, it landed us exactly where we hoped to be, but completely feeling empty when we got there. What Jesus is saying is the life of God happens on the other side of when we are willing to die to ourselves and what we think it should be. And we say, God, not my will, but what? But yours be done. The problem with humanity, you and I, is that we think we know what life is. But we can never experience real life until we know the author and sustainer of life. And our lives will never be fulfilling until we walk in not our will for our own lives or our parents' will for our lives, as wonderful as that may have been, or society's desires for who we are. But the only way we will be truly fulfilled is when we walk in God's will for our lives. And that comes through resurrection. It's one of the reasons why, as a church, we always give opportunities for people to begin their journey with Jesus or recommit to their journey. And I just want to let you know, as a church family, thank you so much for joining in that, for praying for that. Because listen, our God is always a God of resurrection. And the life that God has for people is always on the other side of them starting to follow Jesus. And we need to make space for that. 
Why? Because we want to see resurrection. And what our world needs to know today is that God is the God of resurrection. And that there is life after this life. We get the abundant life walking with Jesus and we get eternal life in the hereafter. Now, what's fascinating about all that's going on in in this story is that at this point, Jesus is in Bethany. Lazarus is dead. He's in the tomb. And him and Martha are talking about this. And Jesus says, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live again. Saying that when your life on this side of eternity is over, there's a life that happens after it. There's more to the story. Now, look what happens in verse 28. It says, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and they went out, followed her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. And when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, verse 33, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Really what we learn here is that we need to let what breaks Jesus' heart break ours also. In this section, specifically verse 35, it's the shortest verse in your entire Bible. Just two words. Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Because he saw the heartbreak of Mary, Martha, and all the people who are grieving lost. What breaks Jesus' heart? Death without resurrection. Death without resurrection is what breaks Jesus' heart the most. So he wept. I mean, talk about vulnerability. Now, I'm here to tell you, so like, I realize like, cultures are always changing, right? So I realized that like, I was raised in the generation watching Sesame Street where they sang the song like, it's all right to cry. Crying makes you feel better. You guys remember that song? I learned that as a kid. Those, you guys who are older, you're like, I never heard that song. Nobody told me that it's all right to cry. So like, there was a time when like, men never cried. And I was raised in a generation like, it's all right to cry. But I'm here to tell you, when I cry, it doesn't actually make me feel better. Because there's a part of me that's like, why am I crying right now? But like, in Jesus' culture, men definitely didn't cry. At least not publicly. That stuff was hidden away. And so the fact that Jesus, the son of God, was moved to the type of emotion that would cause him to weep is substantial. Everyone sees it, they're like, see how he loved him. The people realize Jesus is weeping because he loved Lazarus. But you see what's going on here, that what God wants for us 
is he wants us to love in such a way that it will break our heart. He wants us to think about life in such a way that life is not only supposed to be a successive series of events that are all positive. Now, I'm a positive person. I think being a positive person is a very biblical thing. If you believe in Jesus, you should be positive and hope-filled. Why? Because you believe in Jesus. I mean, life after death, forgiveness of sins, like, that's some good apples, right? That's some good stuff. So I think we should be hope-filled, but our lives should not be just successive waves of super easy things. Really, Jesus doesn't come that we might be inhuman, but that we might be really human. And there's part of living life that is just sobering and heartbreaking. But we don't let the sobering and the heartbreak kill our hope, kill our joy. We hold them together in tension as a paradox. We're like, no, these things go together. And Jesus did that. Remember, he said, we're going to wait here so that I might be glorified. So Jesus knows all this is going to happen. He knows Lazarus is going to be dead. He knows he's going to raise him from the dead. But he sees everybody weeping, and then he weeps alongside of them. And the Bible says that we should weep with those who weep. And Jesus shows us that. Why? Because listen to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 and 4. It says, speaking of him, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. See, Jesus, our Lord, he's a, he's a man who knows grief and sorrows. He knows the pain that we've gone through. And as someone who knows our pain and is intimately acquainted with our pain, he wants us to see, listen, when something is painful, it's okay to cry about it. You don't have to stuff that stuff because it's heartbreaking. And what you find here is that Jesus leads us out in vulnerability at a time when people just didn't do that. And what's amazing is this, Jesus is weeping. Some people say, we love them. And then there's always the peanut gallery nipping at Jesus's heels, right? Could not this man who opened the eyes of mine, could he have kept this man from dying? You know, it's like, it's like Jesus can't win. Now, can I speak to those of you who feel like you can't win sometimes? If you're in that situation, I was just talking to someone who's about work. Sometimes I feel like that when I get complaining to the Lord. I know I shouldn't be, but I'm human. I'm like, Lord, I can't win. No matter what, everything I say gets me in trouble with somebody. Like, it doesn't matter. I can't win. And Jesus like, I knew what this was like. Remember Jesus talking to the people? He's like, the people were complaining. We played a sad song and you didn't weep. We played a happy song and you didn't dance. We live in a world where the only thing that actually matters is what God says about who you are and your life. Everyone else, they can say whatever they want to say. You should not give it any more weight than it needs to have. Because everyone in our day and age, everyone has an opinion on everyone else's life. Do you ever notice that? It's like our culture is so jacked up. Our culture, everyone has an opinion on everyone else's life. But right as you say something about their life, oh, no, don't, don't judge me. It's like, well, you've been just judging everybody. Like you've commented on every article. And what's so amazing is, is our culture is so unique at this point. I know that it's like we are pre-revival right now because either Jesus is coming back or he's got to bring a revival because like it's rough. Like we live in a world, our culture is a voyeur culture. We actually want to watch other people live their lives. You realize that reality TV is us choosing to spend our time watching other people live a life that is even a real life. 
Because it's not real life. It's all fabricated and all this stuff. And it's drama made for TV. My kids do that. There's YouTube families. It's really weird. Sometimes my kids are like, but they're Christian. I'm like, why would you want to watch some other Christian family? You live in one and we're awesome. You know? But they're like, but dad, they got four puppies. I'm like, oh, you should watch that then. Because I'm like, getting four puppies. <laughs> you know? But our world, it's a voyeur culture. We are getting good at watching other people's lives. And then we have all these feelings about their lives. Meanwhile, our life is languishing. And it's so nuts. It was so funny. I saw this online. So I guess there's a lot of discussion about the royal family. I straight up don't get it, man. We conquered England a long time ago. <laughs> so I can't, I've been holding this in for forever. There was a basketball player, and I guess some of the people from the English uh, monarchy family went, and they're like, what do you think about the royal family being there? He's like, the royal family mean Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? I only know one royal family. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> now, I get part of the whole royal family. I don't know why I'm out of on the tangent, but I am, so we'll just go there. <laughs> I get part of the reason the royal thing is all you girls got raised on the whole princesses thing. The girl becoming a princess, you know, and all that stuff. But I'll be honest, it doesn't look like a whole lot of fun for them, does it? I mean, it's all great for Cinderella. I mean, she got rid of the wicked stepmom and the two mean sisters. But, like, these other ladies, man, I feel bad for them. They can't even smile, you know. It's like, you smile, and everyone talks about your smile. But here's the deal. Why do we care so much about what everyone else is doing? Why? Because our culture wants to teach us what we should care about. And really, you have to know, like... The media is designed for your attention. They make their money on your attention. You click on it, that click, they go to the advertisers, this is our clicks per article, and then they make more ad revenue. So their only desire is to make you click on it. And I mean, that's all the news sources, not just the ones you hate. All of them are like that. So what they do is they feed you exactly what they think is going to make you click. And because we live in a world where resurrection isn't the norm, what we actually care about is all the garbage. We click on a, ooh, what did they say about that person? Ooh, what happened here? Right? And we keep clicking on it. And then we keep clicking, and then we want to see more of it, and we see more of it. And really all we're doing is it's conforming our hearts away from the things that breaks the heart of the Lord. Because what happens is, is once you start getting into, especially the news sources, they start telling you that what should really break your heart is people who have different values than you. And you shouldn't break your heart. You should hate them. You should despise them. But if what breaks Jesus' heart is death without resurrection, when we see somebody who has different values from us or looks at the world differently than we do, we shouldn't hate them. We should seek after them and love them and bless them. Why? Because that's how the good news of Jesus runs forth. So brothers and sisters, we don't want what breaks a news source's heart to break our heart. We want what breaks Jesus' heart to break our hearts. What makes Jesus weep? Death without resurrection. Jesus is real. Like everyone, you've certainly had a friend or family member die. Most likely you cried. Maybe a lot. This is another way, as Pastor Daniel taught today, that Jesus knows the junk that we have to go through because he went through it too. And that's the comfort because unlike religions... The God of Christianity doesn't sit aloof, unfeeling, and uncaring about our condition. He lived it and then conquered it. 
Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel starts his next teaching called Jesus Prays. If you're familiar with the life of Jesus, you know that he prayed a lot. But Pastor Daniel is going to be focusing on the most intense prayer of Jesus' life, the prayer right before he was arrested prior to the crucifixion. You'll learn how Jesus dealt with intense emotions like fear and how we can overcome those too. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.